March Madness has lived up to its name, unfortunately, and we'll talk about that as well as some other NFL trades that have taken place since the last time we got together. All of that coming up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. Here we go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in once again. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Glad to have you with us on what is a Monday, March 21st, that first Monday after the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And the last time we got together, we talked about the disaster that was the Marquette Golden Eagles as they fell to the Tar Heels in North Carolina. And unfortunately, we're going to end up doing the same thing, talking about the Wisconsin Badgers, who got their first-round win against Colgate, but then fell and fell hard against Iowa State. The Cyclones come into the Fiserv Forum and take away the home field advantage from the Wisconsin Badgers. The Badgers fall on Sunday 54 to 49. It was one of those games that from the get-go you knew was going to be a defensive battle. But then all things changed with 437 remaining in the first half and Chucky Hepburn goes down what was just a ugly, gruesome ankle injury. Uh, still no word to the significance of it. Hopefully it's nothing more than a bad sprain and that Chucky Hepburn will be okay here shortly. But once Chucky went down, the Badgers were lost. They just were seemingly lost. They had nowhere to go. Jacoby Neath, who came into the game since their backup, Lauren Bowman III, is still at home with an undisclosed non-COVID illness since the better part of January, I think it was, or back in February, one of the two. But he's not been with the team for quite a while. So Jacoby Neath had to come in. Only managed one point in 21 minutes of play. Isaac Lindsay even got into the game, which kind of gives you an indication of how depleted the guard situation was. Isaac, a walk-on, saw a little bit of action. But say what you will with regards to the Wisconsin Badgers and losing to Iowa State, it all falls down to shooting. The Wisconsin Badgers this year just did not have a shooter. You had a great wing player in Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis, the Big Ten Player of the Year, will be a first-round top 10 selection in the NBA draft once that comes around. Johnny Davis, a spectacular wing player, but not necessarily at this point in his career, a great shooter. Brad Davison, 
Unbelievable leader on the floor. Veteran leader. One who has shown it time and time again. A tenaciousness, a tenacity. Not necessarily a shooter. Brad Davis can go on streaks, but not necessarily a shooter that you're going to rely upon game in and game out. And yesterday, both of those gentlemen, along with the others, along with Tyler Wall, Stephen Kroll, all of them yesterday could not hit water falling out of a boat. They just couldn't. And the misses yesterday weren't just that they hit the front of the rim or the back plate. A couple of times, yes, those things happen. A couple of times, we saw the ball take a complete lap around the cylinder and fail to fall through, which you had to hope at least being Fiserv, uh, excuse me, we'll call it Cole Center East. You thought maybe with all of the fans, all of the Wisconsinites in attendance, you'd have a little bit of home field advantage, especially with the rims. But that wasn't the case. And then, however, you saw some of the worst misses I've seen in a long, long time. Guys taking threes that never even touched the backboard. And I'm not talking about a short shot. I'm talking about the angle of the shot. That it cruises right over the rim and sails directly out of bounds. Doesn't even touch backboard. Those were the kind of shots we were seeing yesterday. And yet, as poorly as they shot, they still had an opportunity. They lost by five. So defensively, the Badgers played fairly well. The problem, again, is offensively not being able to have a shooter on this team really was of unbelievable detriment. And so now what was to be a potentially promising season has gone by the wayside once again. Now the sting is still there. I waited to put this podcast out because I think if I would have done it yesterday – there would have been some things I would have ended up putting out another podcast today and and retracting them just because you're angry, you're emotional, you're upset. You had high hopes for this Badger team, and it failed. This team who led the nation, they were number one in the country as far as turning the ball over, committed 17 of them yesterday, shot unbelievably poorly as we noted from beyond the arc, 9%. They were 2 of 22 from three-point range. All of those factors combined and still only lost by five. So that gives you an indication of really how good this Badger team was. And nobody wants to hear that right now, right? We want to we wanna run Greg Gard out of town because he can win in the regular season, can't win in the postseason. We want to... We want to stomp our feet and say the Badgers did not belong in the tournament. Look how poorly they did. Anybody see Kentucky yesterday? Oh, that's right. They lost to a 15 seed. It's it's an emotional reaction to being disappointed when you ended up having such high hopes for this Badger team. Now, I said early on, I thought if the Badgers got to the Sweet 16, that would be incredible. Like, that, that wasn't their ceiling. But that's where I thought the Badgers needed to go. And yes, you're right. They fell short of that. But let's remember a couple of things. 
let's remember the fact that this team coming into the season was picked 10th as far as preseason polls go with regards to the Big Ten. They were regular season co-champions. Johnny Davis averaged, what, just over seven last year? Nobody really knew what Johnny Davis could do until the season got going. And once the season got going, all of a sudden our eyes were opened up to what a special talent Johnny Davis was. And he played like that throughout the season. We knew what we were going to get out of Brad Davison. Brad Davison is a leader. He's all hustle. He's tenacious. Yes, he goes through points shooting where it's streaky. And Brad Davison in another life had to be a cornerback because he has no recollection and no memory. He just goes down and fires it up. Now, some days that's good, some days not so good. But he has meant everything over the last few years with regards to that Wisconsin program. Do you, does anybody remember a few years ago when he played the vast majority of the regular season with a separated shoulder? Remember when that thing was K-taped together? when he would run out of the game so someone could pop it back into place and then he'd be right back on the floor. That's one guy that I think will be remembered for giving everything. That is a Midwestern, all hustle, all tenacity, you name it, that's Brad Davison. And yet we'll sit here on this Monday still bitter over the fact that they lost. But stop and think about some of the other teams that have lost – since the opening of the tournament. And I start with Kentucky. A 15 seed beats a number two seed. Think if you are living in Kentucky right now, how angry you have to be that Cinderella's slipper has not fallen off quite yet, but it did for the Wildcats. Yesterday, we saw Auburn fall down. Auburn was a team that not maybe six, seven weeks ago, I thought was the number one team in the country. Lost to Miami. A double-digit seed. A lot of double-digit seeds advancing. Then last night, and we're going to get to this after a quick break as we wrap things up on this side, but Arizona beats TCU in overtime. A one versus nine, 85 80 A terrific ball game, but a questionable end to regulation. And that all leads to some things that have been happening on the officiating side of college basketball. We saw Villanova beat Ohio State. Duke gets past Michigan State. Texas Tech got tested by Notre Dame. Purdue gets past Texas. All of those things, as well as an Illinois team that fell to Houston. So think about this on the second round with regards to Sunday. Wisconsin goes down. Michigan State goes down. Illinois goes down. It was not a great day to be a member of the Big Ten because, once again, the Big Ten thought to be one of the great great teams, great conferences throughout the regular season, myself included, did not have a particularly strong showing on Sunday. And yet now we are looking at Purdue, who is advanced, and Michigan. Michigan advanced. 
Michigan, Juwan Howard's team, a team that couldn't get out of their own way seven weeks ago, is now in the Sweet 16. It's madness. That's why they call it. Because every time you think you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on, it just gets thrown by the wayside. So I have a feeling there are a lot of people whose brackets are now in the recycling bin along with mine. The fact that now we have to reset the table. The fact that St. Peter's, a 3,000 enrollment endowed school over there in New Jersey, New York area. St. Peter's is going to take on Purdue. St. Peter's, who beat Kentucky, who beat Murray State, who I thought was kind of that mid-major sleeper going into the tournament. The Peacocks of St. Peter's. Go get your gear. Here we go. And they'll take on Purdue. So the Sweet 16 is set. It's UCLA, North Carolina, Purdue, St. Peter's, Arizona, Houston, Villanova, Michigan, Kansas, Providence, Miami, Iowa State. Reload, reset, look at the Sweet 16. Find yourself somebody who's running a pool for the Sweet 16 and get yourself back in the game because it was a great weekend. It was four days of fun basketball, but the upsets were probably more prevalent than I can ever remember. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Two things. First of all, when we get to the other side of the break, I want to talk about the fact that the officiating this year has been questionable, to say the least. But on our way to break, Brad Davison, last night in the presser, had some words to say, some poignant words to say when asked about how he thinks he should be remembered as far as being a Wisconsin Badger. Let's get to that. Just somebody who gave their heart and soul to trying to be a great teammate and a great leader and a great friend and brother. Um, I tried to do everything he could to help his team win. Um, but to be honest, I hope basketball is not the first thing that people think about when they think of me. Um, I hope it's about an interaction that we had or maybe a picture or an autograph or a conversation. Um, I hope it's something bigger than basketball or just me wearing the 34 jersey. I hope that's how my teammates see me and my coaches view me as well. And Because um, those are the things that I really value. I love the game of basketball, but I know that I'm not defined by my performance or wins or losses. Um, I know where my identity lies, and um, that's what Scripture says about me, but that's also what my teammates think about me and my coaches and my family and my friends. And so, you know, I'm content. Um, but with that being said, I just hope people remember me as a great teammate and great leader. All right, great that friend. was compliments of Kyle Mulzahn, who asked the question of Brad Davison after last night's game. All right, let's get to a break. On the other side of the break, as I mentioned earlier, let's talk about the officiating. It's a tough job. Wouldn't want to do it. Much respect to those people who put on the stripes and get out there and do what they do. But some of the calls during the tournament have been beyond questionable. And so when we criticize officials, yes, we always look at things through the eyes of whatever team we're rooting for. But there were some things that have taken place here as of recent that I really think 
whoever wants to step in, because heaven knows it won't be the NCAA, but whoever wants to step in and kind of reset the table with as far as officiating goes really needs to do so and do so quickly. We'll talk about it right after this. talk about some of the officiating that has been taking place within this NCAA tournament. Now, overall, it's been pretty decent. It's a tough job. It's been pretty decent. And I know some people were very irritated by the officiating and the calls that were made in the Wisconsin-Iowa State game. And I guess it all depends on who you were rooting for and at what part of the game the whistle was blowing. But I don't necessarily think the officials got in the way of that game or then caused Wisconsin to lose. Wisconsin lost because they couldn't shoot yesterday, plain and simple. But there were a couple of games, to illustrate my point, where the officiating has created situations for discussion like we're doing right now, in essence because they had a role in the outcome of the game. And there's two situations to elude to. One of it, I'm going to play a cut here in a moment, In a moment, I want to play a cut. It's Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, Reggie Miller uh, doing the play-by-play courtesy of, I think it was a TNT broadcast yesterday, but it's all part of the CBS, TNT, TBS, True TV network. And it had to do with Illinois. Now, if I'm defending Illinois, you know the call is bad. I I can't remember the last time. I sat here and tried to defend the fighting Illini, but in this case, you have to because the call is horrendous. Let's get to the cut. Once again, Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, Reggie Miller, all part of the NCAA tournament coverage. Here it is. Edwards lost it. Clover Melendez. (laughs) No, no, no. Absolutely not. I'm sorry. First of all, his momentum is is taking him with him. He has to swing back. You cannot give this young man a technical foul for this. He's not showing up or anything. Because if he doesn't, he is going to almost kill himself. All right, so once again, Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, along with Dan Bonner, all part of, in this case, it was CBS and their coverage of the NCAA tournament. At that point in the game, with Melendez going in for the dunk, Illinois was trailing 6, 46-40. The dunk brings them within two. If you haven't seen it, you have seen a thousand times worse if you're thinking of a dunk where someone needs to get teed up. He's coming in full boat. He slams. He hangs on to the rim. His legs go forward. They come back. Boom, he's off and ready to go play defense and immediately gets a technical. It changed the tide of the game. It was a chance for Illinois. As I said, they were within four. Now you get free throws, loss of possession, and Illinois never really recovered from that particular call. And then you had, at the end of the Arizona-TCU game, 
late last night, the end of regulation, Arizona was doing a great job of running TCU back to the half-court line. But then Arizona went ahead and just ran, and I don't have the guard's name in front of me, just ran them right over. And if you see the replay, and no one at least that I've read, no one at least that I've read, no one that I have read as far as an article goes or heard, whether it's on the talk shows or, or regarding television and the recaps, no one, I think, has noticed the clock stops for two ticks, two-tenths of a second. Like the person operating the clock thought it needed to be stopped the way this young man got run over. Fortunately for TCU, the attempt at a steal in a basket also came a split second late, so they waved it off, they go to overtime. But the lack of a call in that situation, and it was a blatant call. I get referees want to eat the whistle when the ball is in the paint and everything is being tapped around and you just want to let them play out. But he's in the backcourt, as I said, almost run over the timeline, which would have been a great defensive over and back. But in trying to do so, just was completely run over and no call. Two situations in which the referees helped dictate the outcome of the game. And there were others, but I don't want to spend the rest of the podcast fussing, moaning, harping, and whining. The refereeing in college basketball this year has had issues. And somebody needs to step in and oversee some of these things. The amount of traveling that has taken place in games is essentially horrendous. What they're allowing to occur, it's getting ridiculous. You know, we went to the catch. You were allowed the hop step. Tell me how many people now are catching, hop stepping, and then taking another short step in order to get the shot off. What they're letting go is it's not good basketball. It's getting ridiculous. Everybody in the crowd can see it's a travel, but nobody wants to call it anymore. So somebody is going to have to step in as far as officiating college basketball and figure out what they want to do and figure out whether or not this stuff is important or not because we saw two instances yesterday that highlight how officials can get in the way of the outcome of a game. And if they were doing a better job in those situations – I don't know what the outcomes would have been, but there's a chance it could have been different. And again, I'll say it. If I'm fighting for the fighting Illini, you know something is wrong. Because the fact that they lost, I'm sorry to say, makes my heart happy. But not in that fashion. You want to see a team outmaneuver, outshoot, outrebound, outdo something other than the fact that a momentum change occurs when you get a steal and a bucket, and somebody decides that by the exact letter of the law, not common sense, but the exact letter of the law, that what took place was a technical, and it changes the entire dynamic of the game. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward what happens now as we get to the Sweet 16. Let's wrap some things up here on the 414 Sports Podcast. A bunch of NFL news has come down in the last 24 to 48 hours. Let's recap that real quick, and we'll do so on the other side of the break.
right, let's get to some NFL news as we wrap things up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. Well, we finally got the trade that I think everybody was thinking it would happen earlier last week, and then Devontae Adams decided to go to the Las Vegas Raiders, and that encaptured the headlines for a day. And not only 24, 36 hours later, we find out that Deshaun Watson is traded from the Texans to the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson, who still has 22 civil lawsuits against him for inappropriate behavior, is going to undertake the biggest guarantee from a salary perspective that anyone has ever been given. There are so many different ways I could go with this. We know Deshaun Watson can play football. What we don't know is what Deshaun Watson is off the field. And right now there are 22 women who would beg to question as to why the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson so much money. So what we're seeing by the Cleveland Browns is an organization right now that isn't too much worried about morality. You know, it's funny, the NFL is constantly now hitting us with public service announcements on all of the things they're trying to do in order to make society better, and then one of their teams goes ahead and grabs Deshaun Watson. You know the Texans are just happy as happy gets. Have you noticed no one's talking about the Texans anymore? Like, every, it was always Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And now the Texans are gone. They have to be absolutely relieved to have this off their back. Now Cleveland, go ahead and deal with it. Cleveland, I'll just say this. Good luck because where there's smoke, many a times there's fire. And so you've taken it upon yourself to bring in Deshaun Watson and not knowing what could happen with these civil lawsuits or what the NFL could do as far as suspensions go. You're spending a lot of money on a question mark right now. Again, talented beyond belief. But there are question marks for his behavior off the field. And we'll wait and see what happens there. Also happening today is the fact that Matt Ryan has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. And so the Indianapolis Colts get Matt Ryan. If I heard correctly and read correctly, the Atlanta Falcons are going to eat, what, $40 million in dead money? It's the largest amount ever eaten up by a team um, as far as the salary goes. So Indianapolis gets a veteran quarterback. They get Matt Ryan, who's probably got a year or two left. Be a nice bridge to see whatever Indianapolis does with the draft. All of this said and done, guess who's still out there? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has yet to find a home. And as the days and weeks go on and you start to see these trades taking place, you start to scratch your head and wonder, where is Baker Mayfield going to go? Obviously now, even with the question marks around Deshaun Watson, he's not going back to Cleveland. Many people thought he'd end up in Indianapolis in a trade. That goes by the wayside. Nobody thought anybody was going to have the ability to trade with Atlanta because I don't think anybody anticipated Atlanta eating up the dead salary money that they'd have to in order to trade Matt Ryan, and yet they did. And Baker Mayfield still sits there looking for a home. It's just 
amazing what has taken place since Aaron Rodgers decided to re-sign with the Green Bay Packers. All right, let's get out of here for today. Later this week, we'll talk about the Green Bay Packers. We'll mix in some Brewers, some Bucks, and get ready for the Sweet 16, which will kick off on Thursday. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Have yourself a great rest of whatever part of the day it is. We'll see you. 